Hey there, I'm Adam Demetrician, the lead pastor at Pathways Church in Appleton, Wisconsin. And this is our podcast. I hope this message inspires you, feeds your faith, and ultimately leads you into a growing relationship with Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He only had one son and he gave his son to us that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. It's the most famous verse in the entire Bible. And you heard the kids earlier recite that verse to you while they were on this very stage. But my question for you is this. Do you know the next verse? Do you know John 3, 17? Let me put it on the screens for you. Here's what the author writes. He says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This too is a very powerful verse because it talks about why. Why did the heavenly father send Jesus to our world? Not to condemn you or me, but actually to save us. Now, for most people, and I think you're most people, most people, most of us, we have a, a set of universal rules or standards or thoughts about what we think we ought to do, some type of external standards that we hold ourselves accountable to. But the problem is that sometimes we can't stop holding others accountable to external standards that we at times struggle to keep or that we ignore. What I'm trying to say is we're quick to condemn. For example, lying. Liars don't like to be lied to, and thieves don't like to be stolen from, and cheaters, adulterers don't like to be cheated on. And all of us have lied and stolen and looked lustfully at another human being. And this dynamic underscores why the arrival of Jesus during the Christmas season is good news. Everybody say good news. We like good news, don't we? We all like to receive good news. And on the front of my message, I just wanna say this. I know that there are some of you who are watching online, you're worshiping with us, perhaps in another state, another time zone. Some of you are here locally at the Fox Valley, you're not feeling well today. Some of you are in this room, you're a guest and you resist Christianity. And you know what? I understand that. There's no judgment, I get it. There are some of you, perhaps you're asking this question of Christianity. Your question is this, is Christianity true? Is it factual? Is it reliable? Can I really rest on the historicity and the intellectual rigor of the gospel? That's your question. But more and more people that I meet these days, their question is simply this, is Christianity even good? Is Christianity even good for people? Because perhaps you're one of the people you ask yourself or you see Christians and the first thing that comes to your mind is simply this. They're just a bunch of self-righteous, hypocritical, church-playing people who have very little tolerance and love and mercy for those outside of the church. Maybe that's what you wrestle with. And I get it. I know in a room this size that that's very true. And I know that if you have encountered that brand of Christianity, well, that's not good news. <laughs> it's not good news for anyone. It really isn't. You know, a few months back, I had a friend who lost his wife and his daughter. She was, they were, uh, they were murdered. It was horrific. 
They were murdered by uh, a neighbor of theirs, and it was tragic. And Laura and I went back to the funeral, and while we were at the funeral, um, there was a mutual friend that spoke to Laura, and, and I overheard the conversation, and she had said to Laura, she said, you know, Laura, you were one of the first people that I ever met who spoke of Christianity in terms of it not being performance-based or driven by behavior modification, but by the grace of God. You were the first person who I met that you were okay with not being okay, not being the perfect wife, not being the perfect mother, but you were relying on the grace of God. And it wasn't an excuse for you not to try your best and to allow the Holy Spirit to move through you, but you weren't caught up in a brand of Christianity that I was raised in. I heard her saying this to Laura, my wife, and I thought to myself, wow, that's pretty amazing. See, the God that I know and the God that I read about and the God that is witnessed in scripture, this God, his name is Jesus. And Jesus wants you and me to bring all of our brokenness, all of our struggles, all of our imperfections, all of our hurts, all of our woundedness. He wants to receive them all. And in the midst of that, he wants to love us and heal us and raise us to new life in his son, Jesus Christ. And that, my friends, is good news. It's good news. That's why the announcement of Jesus Christ, when it was first told to us in scripture, here's the announcement. The angel said, I bring you good news that will cause great joy. And this part, we can't even begin to wrap our minds around. This next section, this good news of great joy was for all people. That announcement, that birth announcement is so unusual because generally speaking, good news for one person means bad news for another person. And yet the message of Jesus, the announcement of Jesus Christ was good news that will cause great joy for all people. Now, this brings us to the tension. And here's the tension. The tension is simply this. If the message of Jesus is such good news, you might not believe it, but if there's not something in you that says, wow, that message that Jesus would come to represent the heart of the Father, you might not believe that the New Testament documents are historically reliable. You might not believe that the resurrection literally took place. But if there's not something inside of you that says, I wish, I want that to be true, then that means that the original version of the gospel has been distorted either in your experience or in your mind. You either heard an Americanized version or a politicized version or a commercialized version of the gospel because the original version of the gospel was so compelling and so worth telling that people risked their lives to spread the love and the hope and the message of Jesus Christ in the first century. And I wonder if more people aren't leaning in because they haven't heard or the, or the original version has been so covered up by our own brokenness as the church that we have failed to wipe off all of the cultural nuances to say, this is good news. This is good news. 
That's why we've been retracing Christmas in this December message series, because we wanted to let you know, I wanted to let you know that Jesus is more than a baby. He is a king introducing a kingdom that has upside down values, values where the king would lay down his life for his subjects rather than his subjects laying down their lives for the king. And not only is he a king, he's a Lord because he desires the benefits of lordship is to fuel your faith in the here and now and secure your future in eternity. The benefits of lordship are beautiful because no longer are you saying you're just a rule maker, you just have the authority, but I surrender my life to you because you've created me in your image and you know what's best for me. You want to protect, you want to provide, and you want to give me the best life possible so I can glorify you. And today that king and that Lord brings us a message of good news, of good news, of good news. Now, some of you, I can tell, you're not sure about that good news. So let me tell you the original version. You know, the good news of Jesus Christ is anyone, anyone who wants to be in can be in. It doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. It doesn't matter how you vote. It doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter of your past. It doesn't matter. The gospel, the good news is that the heavenly father says that anyone is invited to the table. The gospel says, welcome home. Everyone is welcome here. The gospel is good news. It speaks to us in ways that goes beyond our comprehension because our experience of love is based conditionally on somebody else's response. But the love of the Father is eternal. Psalm 107, I think, says, his love endures forever beyond our mistakes and our faults and our failures. It's the love of God. It's his steadfast mercy of the Lord that loves you and me. And he says to all of us, you are invited. You are welcome. There is good news. I bring you my son. In the first century where a world was divided, where tensions were high, much like ours today, Jesus came and he was for the divorced woman. A divorced woman multiple times over, I'm for you, Jesus said. I want to give you living water. Jesus was always for the other ethnic group that was put down and ostracized in society, whether it was a leper colony, whether it was the Samaritans. He was always for the other. He was always for the poor. He was always even there for the religious who really wanted to know how to inherit eternal life. Even when they came to him at dark in John 3, he said to Nicodemus, if you want to be born again, if you want to be born from above, then my spirit has to live inside of you. In a society where women and children were nothing more than commodities, do you remember what Jesus said? what value he placed on them. He said this to his disciples. While his disciples were trying to scatter them away, Jesus said, please let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom. Listen to these words. The kingdom of heaven belongs to such 
as these. So this leads to the question, why did this news cause great joy? If it's good news, then why did this news cause great joy? You know why? It caused great joy because we know we aren't so good, don't we? It caused great joy because we know that we really don't live up to the standards of God. In fact, it's this part of Jesus's message that disrupts the people who thought they were so good, who thought, who thought they were so righteous and so holy and so smug and pious. It's this thought that, that the people who thought they were so good, it actually gave hope to the people who knew they weren't that good at all. That's what caused great joy. In, in, in the language of our day, Jesus leveled the playing field. He was known in the Gospels as a friend of sinners. You, you know, I would love if people of Appleton knew Adam Demetrician as a friend of sinners. And I would love if people of Adam, uh, people of Appleton knew Adam, and there were a bunch of Pathways people around, and they saw me with a bunch of other people, and they said, oh, that's Adam. He loves hanging out with us. I would love it so much so that it would make you feel uncomfortable. Oh, what? It, isn't that our pastor? Shouldn't he have a tie on? I never wear ties, by the way, if you're a guest today. I, I just didn't want to pull the place down with all the kids and all their Christmas outfits, so I ran out and bought a tie yesterday. True story. Friend of sinners. He leveled the playing field. You know, this week I, for some reason I uh, was watching the funeral of Billy Graham. How many of you know Billy Graham? You know Billy Graham? Great evangelist of the uh, 21st century. And uh, Billy Graham passed away in February of 2018. Remember 2018? Oh man, it was a different world back then. <laughs> At Billy Graham's funeral, it was uh, pretty amazing. It was right there on his uh, home there in North Carolina. I, I don't know. I think it's Montreat or I'm not sure exactly where. Anybody know where he's from in North Carolina? Boone, somewhere? I don't know. Yeah, there you go. And... Um, you know his family, right? You know his son, Franklin. Franklin is the leader of Samaritan's Purse, an organization that we partnered with. We did over 500 shoeboxes, Operation Christmas Child, to give kids the gospel, but also a Christmas present this very Christmas. Franklin Graham, he's uh, known around the world, kind of taking on the mantle and legacy of his dad, Billy. But then he has a daughter, and her name is Anne. And uh, she's an anointed Bible teacher. She talks just like her daddy. She's got that Southern drawl, that sweet. She even looks, I mean, just, wow. But do you know Ruth? Ruth, yeah, Ruth was uh, Billy's wife, but there was also another Ruth. It was his youngest daughter, Ruth. And it was Ruth's words, it was her eulogy that grabbed me. Ruth shared right after Anne, and Anne, she got up and said some very profound statements and words and comments about Billy, and I mean, man, 
Anne gets up and just to start off, she says, the crowd laughs. She says, I followed her my entire life. Referencing Anne. Crowd kind of chuckled. And then she thanked everybody in the tent. If you don't know, Billy Graham had a vision of having tent revivals. And so he went around the country and around the world. In fact, you can go back to 1977. I think he spoke, uh, it might have been in Japan or China, to over a million people live. You check out some of the images on Google. I mean, it's just, it's astounding, right? And so they had this big tent there and Ruth got up and she thanked every single person all the way back at the last row of the tent to the very people up front. And these were royalty and dignities and ambassadors. These were people, 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 okay? And she said, you know, I've learned that everybody has a Billy Graham story. I've never known so many Billy Graham stories until this week. I've heard story after story about my daddy. And I too have a Billy Graham story. And for the next three minutes, she poured out her heart. You can check it out on YouTube. She talked about her failed marriage and divorce after 21 years. She talked about how she then moved closer to her sister and got plugged into a church and she found a guy and, and all of a sudden she started having these feelings her first marriage, the rug was pulled out from underneath her, and so she was angry and bitter. Her kids said, Mom, would you slow down? And she thought to herself, what do they know about being single? Her daddy and mama, Franklin and Ann, said, hey, just slow down. Let's, let's get to know him. But she thought to herself, you know what? I'm my own woman. And stubbornly, willfully, and sinfully, she decided to get married to this gentleman on New Year's Eve. In less than 24 hours, her words, not mine, she knew it was a mistake. Five weeks later, she fled from this man. Totally broken, ashamed, thought to herself, what, what, what are my family, what are they going to say? She was so wounded that she thought to herself, I'm, I want to go back, I want to see daddy and mama. And if you know anything about the residence of the Graham residence, it's up a, on the side of a mountain in a windy road. And she said, for two days, I had to drive across country. And as I made my way back to their house, I thought to myself, what are they going to say? They're not going to want anything to do with me. I embarrassed them. I'm ashamed. I'm broken. I'm a failure. She said this quote. She said, you know, you women, you'll understand this. You never want to embarrass your father. And you certainly don't want to embarrass Billy Graham. She said as she made her way up that windy road, her dad was in the driveway. And rehearsing what she was going to say, she just stepped out of the car. And before she could say anything, she felt his arms wrap around her. And he said two words. Welcome home. No blame, no shame, no condemnation. Welcome home. You know, Billy Graham isn't God, but that day he gave a picture of who God and what God is like towards his sons and daughters. And that, my friends, that's an invitation that is for you and for me.
good news of great joy for all people. The Apostle Paul put it this way in Romans chapter 3. He said, this righteousness, this goodness, you can't work for this goodness. It's not because of your goodness and all the good things that you can do. He said, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile. He was picking up on the message of Jesus. Everyone is welcome. Paul, once again, levels the playing field. Everyone is invited. Everyone has a seat at the table. Then he shares the truth, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all, the same all who fall short of God's glory and his standards, all are justified, made right with God, freely, freely. And here's the differentiator when it comes to Christianity that sets it apart from all other world religions. We're justified freely by what? By his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. In other words, Jesus paid the penalty and bought back you and me when we place our faith in him. He paid the penalty on the cross and he overcame sin and death when he rose from the grave. That is the good news of Jesus Christ. So with every head bowed and every eye closed here, this weekend, if you're online and you're joining us, would you just pause right where you are? Today, I want to pray for you. And I want to pray for you, two groups of people. You're here today, and you know Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior. But it's almost as if you're driving up that windy road to your daddy's house. And what you need more than anything is not a lecture, not another Bible verse, not another lesson. You just need a warm embrace. You need to know that God is saying to you, welcome home. You just need that comfort, that embrace, that touch, that, that experience with God. Maybe you're up under some pressure. You've made some poor choices. I don't know. Maybe it's just a tough Christmas season. You lost a loved one. Something's hard. You're going through a trial and you just need to know the father is there and he wants to embrace you. I wanna pray for you today. So Heavenly Father, you know hearts in this room. You, you know people online and they're just sensing that they need to be embraced by you. I thank you, God, that you are not a God who is distant, but you came to become one of us, to love us, to heal us, to hug us, to save us. So I pray even in this moment that you would just wrap your arms, minister your comfort and your grace and your mercy to those of us who need it this Christmas season. Now maybe you're here today or you're watching online and you never knew that there was a God who came to save you. You thought he was here more to condemn you and to hold up a mirror and say, look at all the bad and rotten things you've done. Maybe you were raised in a, a false gospel, a warped gospel. And you never knew there was a God who loved you, 
unconditionally, no blame, no shame, no guilt. Just an invitation, just a whisper to say, everyone, you are welcome. Welcome home. If you're online today and you want to place your faith in Jesus Christ, you want to receive his life for your life. If you want to follow Jesus, make him the Lord and Savior of your life, then why don't you tell somebody, why don't you type it in the chat, why don't you reach out to our church or to a Christian that you know. In a moment, we're going to pray. But before we pray, I also want to ask this room, there's some of you that perhaps you want to make a decision. You want to surrender your life today to Jesus Christ. If that's you, in a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. On the count of three, I'll ask you to raise your hand. I want you to raise it up. I'm going to acknowledge you, and then you can put it right back down. But what you're doing in this moment is you're saying, by faith, we're practicing what the truth of Scripture says. By faith, we're going to place our faith in Jesus for the redemption of our lives to wash away our sin and to be our savior. So if you're in the room today and you wanna make that decision, on three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Yes, you can put your hand down. Yes, you can put your hand down. Who else? Yes, thank you, you can put your hand down. Anybody else? Then can we pray this prayer? Yes, I see you. Yes, all the way in the back, I see you. Yes, right here, I see you. I see you. Thank you for waving at me. God loves you so much. He's waving at you. He's smiling. He loves you so much. <laughs> There's nothing that you can do that God would ever stop loving you. He just loves you. He created you in his image so that he can have relationship with you. So can we pray this prayer together out loud in full voice? Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me beyond my brokenness beyond my pride, beyond my sin. You sent a savior and his name is Jesus. And I place my faith in him. I trust him. I trust you, Jesus. You're my life now. I let go of my old life and I want you to make me new as I follow you. Now place your Holy Spirit in me. Set me in a faith community and let me grow to become more like you. In Jesus' name. And everyone who agreed with this prayer said, amen. amen. Hey, can we celebrate God's work here today? Let's celebrate that together. That's beautiful. That's beautiful.